Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. So grateful for the truth. You think of how many people in the world don't have the foggiest idea of what the Lord has made known to us. He wants everybody to know about it. He wants everybody to hear and know the truth. But man, we got it. We know it. We're, we're learning about it every day, growing in it. And it's, a, it's just an incredible honor, incredible privilege. We're such a privileged people to know the things that we know, especially in the time and hour that you and I are living in. Such dark times on the face of the earth, but not in the house of God, not in the presence of God. In the presence of God is light, because God is light. So no matter how dark it gets in the world, it never gets dark for us. Actually, for us, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter, because Psalm 119, verse 130 says, the entrance of thy word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. God's word brings light. And so we're getting in the word. And the word's getting in us. So light's getting in us. Light's getting on us. So you and I, it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Spiritually speaking, it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Which means for us it's getting better, better, better. Better and better and better. We're going from gooder to gooder. That's what we're doing. We're going from gooder to gooder because God is good. God is good. And, uh, and so the Bible says we're going from glory to glory as we look into his word because it's transforming us into the same image as that glory that we're beholding. So we're becoming more and more like the glory which, and the glory of God. And you know what that is. That's the awesomeness of the Almighty. That's the goodness of God in manifestation. And so we're being transformed into that goodness of God. His goodness is getting all over us, getting on us. Amen. So we don't judge ourselves based on how things appear around us. We look into the Word of God. We find out what's going on in us. What's God doing in us? See, we're not like the world. We're not just sitting there watching the negative news, the fake news, all this news, all this gossip. So much of it is just gossip. So much of it is just commentaries, predicting, predicting the future. I like how Dr. Barclay says it. They're the prophets of the land. Prophets of the land. No, thank God we got the prophets of the Lord. We're not listening to the prophets of the land. Boy, if there ever was prophets of gloom and doom, it's the prophets of the land. It's not the prophets of God in the house of God. No, God's got a bright future for you and I. Bright, bright, full of resurrection light. Ooh, full of truth. Truth, life-setting free truth. And that's what we're growing in on a daily basis. So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the good news. Good news. Good news. Which is good news for us today and every day. God's always got a word in season for you and I. God's word is not outdated. It isn't, it's not irrelevant. It'll never be irrelevant. Everybody else will be irrelevant before he's irrelevant, before his word is irrelevant. No, it's relevant. It's relevant. It's what we need right now. It's what we need right now. So, so we're getting what we need so that there's no lack in our life. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. We shall not be a lack for any good thing. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. What's going on in us? See, we, get a, we got to look at that. We got to study that. We got to focus on that. What's going on in us? And we do that by looking at the Word of God. Because the Word of God reveals the intentions of the heart. It reveals to us what's going on in our spirit. And it feeds our spirit. It helps clean up our spirit. It doesn't just show us what's wrong. It fixes it. When you apply God's Word, it fixes the problems. It shows up the problems and fixes the problems. All in one swoop. 
So that's what you and I have as we look into the word of truth, the word of God. So though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, doesn't, doesn't matter what kind of death and despair is all around us, casting its shadow on us, it don't, it don't matter. We're walking in the light and we dispel the shadows off of our life because of that light that we walk in. There's no shadow in him. No shadow of turning in the Lord our God. Can you say amen? Why don't you just turn in your Bible real quickly to 1 Chronicles chapter 12. It's talking about the various different tribes of Israel. And here it says in verse 32 of the children of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. Notice that statement there. These children of Issachar, they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. We need to know what we ought to do. We need to know what time we are in. We need to understand the times. There are times and seasons for things that God wants to accomplish in the earth. And we need to understand what's God up to. We see a lot of what the devil's up to. We see what he's trying to bring to pass. But what's God saying? What's God saying? You know, you go back to the beginning of the government shutdowns. You know, all the government mandates that shut so much of our country down. Seven months ago, October 18th, where we weren't able to gather together. And that went on for a couple months. You know, that was a very serious thing. Unprecedented. So I went to, to pray about it, and the Lord immediately spoke to me, because to me it looked like certain things in the book of Revelation were fixing to start to happen. Because there were so many things coming, in, coming into, into place for it. And so I went to He immediately spoke to my heart of that it's not that time yet. It's not that time yet. It's not that time of the end, as the Bible refers to it as. In fact, I was talking to a police officer just recently who was just moving out of my neighborhood, and he also is a Christian. And he said to me, he said, uh, is this it? Is this the end? Is this what, you know, the Bible was talking about, about the end times? I said, no, this isn't it. I said, we're close, but this isn't it. Man, it's so good to be able to know that. To be able to have that answer, see? To understand the times. The children of Issachar, they understood the times. Now, we go back to the beginning of the year in January, and the Lord had spoken to our hearts, and it was confirmed by other ministers, prophets of God uh, in the church, that this would be the year of plenty. The year of plenty. And you look and you think, man, is this, is this the year of plenty? I mean, it doesn't look like it for the world. For the world, it doesn't look like it. But God wasn't talking about the world. He's talking about his people. He's talking about his church. And so for the church, it is the year of plenty. And you consider what the shutdowns and all the things that have happened... The church, our church, has prospered this year more than any other year. And there are people within the church that are prospering, and I'm hearing all kinds of awesome, awesome stories of people prospering, getting good things, increasing financially, increasing materially, which we know God is very interested in you being blessed. You know why he wants you blessed? Because number one, he loves you. And the Bible says he delights in the prosperity of his servants. So he enjoys seeing you prosper, just like any good father would love to see his children be successful and prosper. He wants you to be successful and prosper. He tells us over in Joshua chapter 1, I think it's like verse 9, something like that where he tells us exactly how to have good success. In fact, I might as well just read it. Joshua chapter 1, he says in verse 8, 
This book. Everybody say, this book. What's the book he's talking about? He's talking about the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Meditate there means to, to mutter to yourself. See, it doesn't depart from your mouth. You're always muttering to yourself. You're not talking to somebody else, the word of God. You're muttering it to yourself. Muttering God, putting God's word in your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you, for then you will carry a very heavy load in life and it'll be hard, but I will be with you until finally when you get to heaven and then you will have good things. I'm sorry. That was the religious translation, which actually isn't in the Bible at all. What does he say? He says, when you meditate, you get in the word, you're speaking the word of God. What's it going, what is it going to do to you? He says, for then you will make your way prosperous. You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Good success. You know, the Bible says, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. That's good success. Not success in one area, and then it brings a whole lot of sorrow in other areas. That's not God's will for your life. There's people, they financially prosper, but then their family falls apart. You know, they, they ruin relationships. Other things fall apart at the expense of wanting to have nicer things. That's not God's will. That's not, that's not God's way. His way is for you to have good success, which means there's no sorrow added to that success. That's what he has for you and I. That comes, of course, from meditating in the Word of God. So he said to us, it's the year of plenty. It's the year of plenty. And there's folks that have increased. They've gotten, you know, increase in pay. There's people that we've seen get uh, vehicles, nice vehicles, houses, you know, good things. Good things. Say, God's not interested in those things. You don't know God. He made all the good things. He made it. He's responsible for it. He inspired it. The devil's trying to go around. He's trying to burn it all down. He's trying to rip it up. He's trying to destroy stuff. He's a destroyer. He's not a builder. He's not creative. He's destructive. So God is creative. All the good creativity among people that have given us so many good things and such great conveniences in life, that all comes from God. The book of James says, all good things come from God. They come down from the Father of lights. So God is good. He's got good things for us. So we shouldn't be surprised when he says, now listen, 2020 is the year of plenty. It's the year of plenty. Now again, when God gives his word, it just doesn't happen automatically. It happens for those who mix faith with it. And so according to your faith, God's word will manifest in your life. God's word will come to pass, whether it's a prophetic word like I just mentioned or the written word of God. God's word comes to pass when people mix faith with it. You know, I think of the prophet Daniel and how he was taken captive to Babylon, him and and all of Israel, and and Jerusalem was, was torn down. The temple was burned to the ground. And so he was in Jerusalem, and the prophet Jeremiah, who was alive at the same time as Daniel, when Daniel was younger, the prophet Jeremiah had a prophetic word, and he spoke forth that word, and he wrote it down. Well, Daniel somehow had that prophetic word from the prophet Jeremiah. And over in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel 9, and in verse 2, It says, in the first year of his reign, he's talking about Darius, the king of Babylon. He was the king of Babylon after Belshazzar and right before Cyrus. A lot of us know about King Cyrus and the prophetic things of our day that are connected to him. 
something I won't get into right now. He says, I, Daniel, understood. That's that word understood or understand again. I understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Well, see, uh, Daniel, he recognizes we, we've, we've been in this place now for 70 years. And he sees this promise from God through the prophet that after 70 years is completed and finished, then there would be national revival. That Israel would be revived, that they'd be able to return back to their homeland, that they'd rebuild the temple, and God would be glorified in it all. So he saw this word, and he didn't just sit back and go, Lord, man, it's this, it, if we're in the 70th year, I mean, why isn't it happening? I, I don't understand. You, you said that. You said, and then the next year goes by, and the next year goes by, and he's just, he's, you know, I don't understand it. You know, God has said, Jeremiah must have missed it. Jeremiah must have missed it. He said after that 70 years, man, it's going to be a time of plenty. It's going to be time of national revival. There's going to be a turning back to the Lord of God's people. Great move of God. I don't know. He, he must have missed No, is that what Daniel did? No, what did Daniel do? Well, he goes on, verse 3. Then, after he saw that, after he got that prophetic word, then I set my face towards the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fastings, sackcloth, and ashes. Pray, supplicate, fast. This is what he did when he got that word from the Lord. And now he had something to take before the Lord in prayer that he could get in faith about. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear from God about a certain promise, something he's going to do or wants to do, wants to bring to pass, what actually comes to you first is not the promise. Faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. It doesn't say, and promises come by hearing the word of God. No, 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 no. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes first. And then we take that faith that comes from hearing the word of God to God in prayer. And Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe or have faith in God that it will come to pass and you will have it. You will have it. So now we've got faith. So the Lord gives us a word. It's the year of plenty. What are you doing with it? Are you muttering it? Are you talking about it or are you murmuring? Are you muttering the promise or are you murmuring the circumstances? Murmuring about the circumstances. See, a lot of folks, the circumstances get nasty enough according to how things appear, and they get to murmuring. They get to griping and complaining. I just don't understand it. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. By the Lord God, it just seems like everything's going to hell in a handbasket. I... And then all this worry, all this fear, and people just speaking, all this doubt, all this unbelief. Well, guess what you're going to have? You're going to have exactly what you say. If you're saying what you're seeing, rather than saying what God said, then you're going to have what you're seeing. But God wants you to have what he's saying. See, a lot of folks don't understand that. See, but this is how you mix faith with the word of God so that God can bring his will to pass in the earth. See, so much of the church world still has the idea that, well, God wants to do it. He'll just do it. That's a lie. It's an absolute lie. It's not true. I can give you one scripture right now to just nullify that religious lie. The Bible says over in 1 Peter or 2 Peter, it says, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Are people perishing? 
Are people going to hell? Is everybody repenting? No. But what did he say? God is not willing. It's not his will that any perish, but that all, that's everybody, everybody in the whole world, of every generation, that all come to repentance. But they're not. God's will is not being done. There's a lot of things happening in your life, in the world, that is not God's will. And we need to understand that. God's not willing that any should perish. So for God's will to come to pass, he needs your faith. That's how he designed it. That's how he set it up. We've got to mix faith that comes from his word with what he said so that he can bring it to pass. It's not automatic. Daniel understood that. That's why he wasn't passive when he heard the promise. When he heard the promise, faith came and he got busy. He goes, whoo, this is a big promise. This is an awesome promise. We got we to gotta lay hold of this. We got to take hold of this. This is what God wants to do. You know, faith begins where the will of God is known. And when you know what God wants to do, oh, glory to God, then you can have confidence when you pray. You can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain from God the things that you ask of him. You can get it from him because you know, I'm asking according to his will. Uh, just like it says over in 1 John chapter 5 and in verse 14, it says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, in Jesus. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, we can ask according to his will. In other words, we can know his will. We're not supposed to be just going around. This is another religious line in the body of Christ. So many people walk around and go, well, if it be thy will. Well, if it be thy will. Well, is it? How about finding out? Somebody says, yeah, but Jesus prayed that himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked, he said, Father, if there's any possible way this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he prayed it three times. That's exactly right. And then guess what? When it was all said and done, he walked away knowing exactly what the will of God was. He knew it was not the will of God for that cup to pass from him. And so with confidence, with courage, Jesus went to the cross for you and I. So yes, he prayed that, but then he prayed expecting to know what the will of God was. So we don't just hang out here and say, if it be that will, and just, it just ends there. If it be that will, and we'll know if it's will, if, we'll know it's his will if it happens. You'll know if it's his will if it happens. A lot of things are not happening that are the will of God to happen. There's a lot of things God wants to happen that it's not happening. Why? Because people have these religious ideas about God and how he works. But thank God we know the truth. We're learning the truth. We're taking hold of the truth. We understand, no, it's very important that we mix faith. We mix faith with the word of God. And I like what 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says. It says that you have an anointing of the Holy One. Talk about the Holy Spirit. You have an anointing of the Holy One, and what? You know all things. You know what you need to know when you need to know it. And of course, so we have the anointing that teaches us, but then we have the written Word of God that teaches us so that we know what the will of God is. So, you know, we're not walking around, well, it's, if it's to be, it's to be. If it's to be, it's to be. You know, uh, I, I remember when I was a little kid, it stuck with me. I don't know, I was probably 13 years old or something like that. And I remember watching the Samurai movie. And this guy, right before he committed Harry Canary, which is not how you say it at all. Uh, I have, uh, Azumi helped me with that one time. She, she's, she's Japanese and she understands, right? It's not Harry Canary. What is it, Izumi? Yeah. <laughs> Halaki. No, he's going to commit suicide. He's going to fall on his samurai sword, you know? And he made this statement. And it just stuck with me. He says, he said, 
destiny is destiny and life is but an illusion. And that's how he was able to take his life. Destiny is destiny and life is but an illusion. In other words, you really have no control over anything. That God created you, he, he wound you up, pushed the button, and here we go. We're just, we're just all, we have no control over what's going to happen next. Which means you don't have a free will. You don't have a free will to choose contrary to God's will. Well, we know that's just not true. We know that's not true. I got news for you. God's not the one that has gotten this world in a mess. God is not the one that has appointed murderers to go forth and kill, steal, and destroy. God did not create Satan. He created Lucifer. Lucifer decided to become a Satan. You understand? God didn't create Satan. Lucifer created Satan. He became the devil because of his free will. He chose that, and all the angels with him all became demons. But that was a choice that they made. That was not something God purposed. God did not purpose for man to sin in the very beginning. God didn't create man and said, okay, now, <laughs> I'm going to put rebellion in you. And I'm going to create you to do, I'm going to tell you to do this. <laughs> but you're not going to. Because I don't want you to. That would be a whacked out God. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is a, that's like the mad scientist, you know. That's not our father. I got news for you. That's not our father. He is good to the core. He's a good, 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 good God. But uh, I, I remember watching a, a jet game. <laughs> football, football, jet game. And it was, it was, it was in the height of their glory. They were, they were about to go to the Super Bowl. They had won their playoff games, and uh, now they were in the, uh, what's that last game before the playoff? The championship game there. And uh, they were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they were on such a high, man, because they were winning. They were, they were killing and destroying, man. They were looking amazing. And then they started interviewing the players right before that Pittsburgh game, playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they were all like so like lax. They were like way, they were all like, like, man, it's destiny. They're telling the reporters, man, it's destiny. We're going to the Super Bowl. It's destiny. It's destiny. It's destiny. And I looked at it and I thought, I don't like this. There's something here that, this isn't good. They're just so like laid back. Then they go over to the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know. They go to the coach, and the coach made this thing. He said, you know, the Jets, the, the, the reporter said to him, you know, the, the, the Jets are saying it's destiny. It's their destiny to go to the Super Bowl. And he said, I believe destiny is what you make it. I thought, we're in trouble. <laughs> that man's heard from God. <laughs> sure enough, they should have been the Pittsburgh Steelers. They just beat two teams that were better than them, better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they were so sluggish. They were so sluggish. They just couldn't overcome the Steelers, and they lost. And guess what? Destiny is not just destiny, and life is not an illusion, but destiny is what you make of it. And if you want God's destiny, then you've got a purpose to make it happen you got a purpose to be a doer of the word. But watch. Learn, learn from that lesson. When you have this idea that, well, God is in control. And you know the Bible's saying, self-control, self-control. The Bible doesn't sit there and go, God's in control. The Bible doesn't say, God is in control. The Bible says, exercise self-control. You take control. Behold, I give you authority to cast out demons, to deal with devils. I'm giving you the authority. I'm giving you control. Take control of your thoughts. Take control of your words. Take control of your actions. If you don't take control, God don't have much control in your life. But the devil probably does. And he's just going to rip you off. We want God to be in control. But how does that happen? Through you exercising self-control. Taking hold of the word of God and declaring it in the face of adverse circumstances. When everything else is telling you this is the way it's going, it's going contrary to what God says, it takes self-control to rise up against it and say, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. It might feel that way. It might look that way. 
Everybody might be talking that way, but no, it's not going that way. It's going God's way. It's going according to his word. This is what he said. That's what I'm saying, and that's what I'm going to have. I'm going to have the word of the Lord. I'm going to have the promises of God in my life. See, that takes faith, self-control, self-discipline. It's not whatever happens, just happens. Can you say amen? Over here in 1 Samuel chapter 14, you see another example of this. We got to get the passivity, spiritual passivity out of our lives and get with it so that God's will can come to pass in our lives. 1 Samuel chapter 14 Saul is king over Israel. He's the first king of Israel. And he starts out really good, but falls apart as a king pretty quick. Gets puffed up in pride. And uh, he just becomes religious. He, he, he loses the reality of God in his life. When God was real to him, God anointed him. God made him ruler over all the tribes of Israel. And I mean, he was, he was powerfully anointed to lead the children of Israel into victories against uh, their adversaries, these other nations. And so now he's kind of turning wishy-washy. And we see here in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14 and in verse 6, then Jonathan, that's Saul's son, a man who has the spirit of faith, He said to his young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of those uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. And Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men. And we will show ourselves to them. So at this time, the children of Israel, they are, most of them are hiding in caves. And they are in tremendous fear of the Philistine army because it's an innumerable company of soldiers that have gathered against Israel. And there's not even an Israelite that has a sword except for King Saul. Because up to this time, the Philistines have been oppressing the children of Israel and took all their rights to bear arms away. So here they are without weapons to fight. And so Jonathan, Saul's son, he says, let's go over there. I'm I'm tired of sitting around here waiting. Let's just go out there and attack them. And, uh, you know, if the Lord's with us, we'll defeat them. I mean, it doesn't matter how many are with us if the Lord's with us. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many are against us. If the Lord's with us, we're the majority. And we win. That's what he's pretty much saying here. So he goes out and he starts fighting against the Philistines. And I mean, they're dropping like flies. He's, he's hitting them. He strikes them. They fall down. His armor bearer comes up behind and he kills the guy. Next thing you know, the whole Philistine army starts melting away. They all start fleeing. And so the children of Israel look and they see the army of the Philistines beginning to flee, begin to back off, begin begin to run away. And so they're trying to figure out what's going on. And so Saul, the king, he's over here and he has the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, the Ark is symbolic of the glory of God and God's power. And so he's sitting there by the ark, and he's got the priest there with him. And the Bible says in verse 18, And Saul said to Hajjah, Hajjah, bring the ark of God here. For at that time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. They're they're all running and fleeing. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle, and indeed every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was very great confusion. And so 
the Philistines were all, they started killing each other. When, when Jonathan went in there with the presence of God, it just caused all this confusion in the camp of the Philistines, and they started killing each other. But I want, I want you to notice this, that Saul and his mighty men, they're sitting there by the ark of God's power, of God's glory, of God's presence. They're sitting there, and they're, I don't know, I guess maybe just kind of having church. The priests are there, and, uh, and he looks, and I mean, the army of the Philistines are scattering, they're fleeing, they're running, they're melting away, their swords are, they're, 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 they're all divided, they're killing one another, and he goes, bring me the ark. Let's pray, God, is it your will that we attack the Philistines or not? Is it your will that we sit here and wait or should we, should we move forward and do something? And so he's waiting for God, waiting to find the will of God, waiting to find out what God wants to do here. Meanwhile, Jonathan's like, I know what God wants to do. Let's just go do it. Let's just go do it. And if, in fact, it's true and the Lord's with us, then these guys are done. We don't need a whole lot of people. The Lord can deliver through few just like he can through many. Let's go. And so Jonathan and his armor bearer, by faith, they stepped out. They acted on the will of God which they already knew. It's God's will for you to triumph. It's God's will for you to succeed. It's not God's will for you to sit and be oppressed. It's God's will for you to be blessed. I wish I had a better amen than that. Do you know it's God's will for you to be blessed? Jonathan knew it. He knew this isn't right. Everybody else is wondering, is it right? We're not sure. And so here's Saul. I mean, he's got the ark, but yet nothing's happening because he's not doing anything. He's praying, but he's just sitting there waiting, just waiting, just waiting. We've got to act upon the word of God in order for God to be able to move in the earth and to change things. If Jonathan didn't act upon the word, if he didn't act in faith, if he didn't step out, if he just stood there, what would have happened? Israel might have been defeated. They might have been conquered by the Philistines. If everybody was just hiding in the caves and, or just hanging out by the ark and just waiting to see what's going to happen and what God, what's God's will and, and whatever God wants to do, he's going to do. So we're waiting for God to see what you want to do. If we were sitting back not doing anything, then we could be run over by the enemy. And then we say, now, God, why did you let that happen? And then we can have real smart religious people come over to us and say, well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And sometimes he puts these things on you to teach you things. You know, he puts these dreadful things in our lives to teach us, to make us better people, make us more pious. People say all kinds of religious things like that. I mean, well, no, it's maybe because of something you did or didn't do. Or maybe something you're not doing. Maybe there's something you need to get busy doing. Maybe there's something you need to step out on, like the word of God, and declare it. Fiercely, passionately, intensely, so that God can work through your faith to bring His will to pass in your life. Can you say amen? Somebody say, You got to step out by faith, not just sit by the ark. Not just going to sit by the ark and sing, Come by me, O Lord, come by me. Oh, Lord, kumbaya. Someone's praying, my Lord. Kumbaya. Someone's praying, my Lord. Kumbaya. Baya. There's a good Catholic who used to sing that. That was a good, good Catholic song. Maybe some other denominations sing it, but that was, that was one of our favorites. Someone's praying. We're waiting for you to come by. Wouldn't it be nice if it be thy will? Now, we need to pray in faith and know what the will of God is. 
We need to ask in faith. Ask believing. Ask with confidence, knowing what the will of the Lord is. So that he could bring it all to pass. Somebody say it's the year of plenty. Say it again. Say it again. Now, praise God forever. We've already quoted at the beginning of this service several scriptures about God's will for you to prosper, to have plenty, and, and, and be blessed. And so even if we didn't get that specific word that this is, the, this is the year for that, we already have the word, the written word of God, telling us that. But now, in addition to that, we have a specific word that he's saying, look for this, because it's not going to look like this. He knew what was coming. So he's basically telling us, don't get in fear about what you see coming with the economy and everything else, all the shutdowns. He was telling us ahead of time, you just know this is your year of plenty. See, that's why he gave us that promise, because he knew the exact opposite was going to appear like it was coming into our lives. But thank God we have the promise The promise has caused us to persevere, to press through these times. Seven months. Seven's a good number in the Word of God. We're at the fulfillment of seven months of this shutdown. And really, we're we're really doing great. We're here, we're gathered this morning. There's still churches like out in California. They're not allowed to gather. They can't come together and have services. They're getting pretty desperate out there, the churches, the people. And so we need to keep them in prayer. But thank God, I believe that we've come to a time of fulfillment of all these things and that everything is about to turn. And I believe it has peaked, the whole coronavirus thing has peaked with the president being hospitalized. And man, that just stirred me up. When that happened, I got really stirred up. I hope some of you did too, just gets, got stirred up to get in there and pray. Because we know what the devil would try to do. What the devil would try to, confusion he would try to bring into our nation at this time. But thank God we could pray. We can get a hold of the Holy Ghost, get a hold of the promises of God, and get things turned around in the Spirit so that God's will is being done. There's people that sit back and say, well, see, that must be God's will. You know, God works. <laughs> you got to know the will of God. God does not afflict people with viruses. Viruses do not come from heaven. There's no viruses in heaven. There's no sicknesses in heaven. There's no diseases in heaven. It might appear that way. You'll read the book of Revelation. It sounds like angels are bringing viruses and sicknesses and plagues out of the temple of God. But actually, when you look at it, what's in the temple of God is the glory of God, the manifested goodness of God. And a great, great, and that great glory that these angels bring out of the temple of God to the earth when it comes into the atmosphere of a sinful earth and comes upon people that are resistant to God, that anointing, that glory of God destroys yokes and removes burdens. And if you become the yoke and the burden to it and you're standing in the face of God resisting him, you're going to get removed. It will become a plague to you. But it doesn't come to be a plague. God's glory comes to deliver. There's another example of that over in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And it's when the Ark of the Covenant, again, symbolizing the glory and power, the might of God. The Philistines, an exceedingly sinful people, they captured it. They thought they, you know, that the God of Israel was just like all their false gods. And so they set They set uh, the ark up in the temple of their god, Dagon. Dagon. They put the ark in there. And uh, the next day, Dagon had fallen over. And so they went in there, and he had fallen down headfirst facing the ark. God's pretty cool, isn't he? So they went in there, and they picked him back up. And they thought, huh, that's strange. So they picked him back up. And so the next day, you know, the ark of the covenant, God's glory is in 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 this demon temple. And, it, and the next day they come out, and, and Dagon had fallen again. And this time, it broke off his head and in the palms of his hands. And they looked and said, Dagon it. How could this have happened? And then, 
plagues started breaking out among the Philistines. They started getting tumors. They started getting afflicted, and they realized the God of Israel is, is a holy God, and we can't have him among us. So, so they took the ark, and with trespass offerings, they put it on a cart, and they sent it back to Israel. So Israel, you know, they were excited to, to see the ark coming back. The ark was coming back. They went out, and they, they got all excited, and they started partying, and got around the ark, and the Bible says the oxen who were pulling the cart, they stumbled, and so a man by the name of Uzzah was standing there, and he reached out his hand to steady the ark so that it wouldn't fall over. Sounds like he's doing a nice thing. But everything they were doing was completely irreverent to this holy God. They weren't treating the ark the way God specifically in Scripture had told them to treat it. They were treating the glory of God as it was common. It was just... Oh, this is exciting. You know, this is God. And they just reached out. He touched the ark and it immediately killed him. God's glory is not here to kill people. Any more than electricity is here to kill people. But if you stick finger in electrical outlet with maybe metal fork, you find something other than a blessing. And it's not because, it's not because electricity is mad at you and is judging you. Right? It's not like electricity looks, if he comes any closer with that fork, I'm going to fry him. <laughs> now he should know, but, oh, he's going to keep poking me. All right. <clears throat> Zap him. No. It just happens when you don't reverence electricity. We need to know how to reverence the glory of God. We want the glory, the goodness, the manifested awesomeness of God on our life. We want to see it in this world, but we need to know how to treat it. We need to reverence God, reverence his presence. So they didn't do that, and as a result of that, you know, this man died, and so David, he was afraid of the ark, and the Bible says he sent it away, and I don't know how it ended up there, but it, it ended up over in the house of a man by the name of Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. So it was over at his house. Let's pick that up here in Second uh, Samuel chapter 6. And in verse 9, it says, David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. So David was afraid of the ark. He did, not, he did not want to bring it into the city. He didn't want to see judgment come upon the people. I believe there's a lot of folks that believe, Christians, that believe in the power of God. They believe in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but they won't allow it into their churches. They won't allow the anointing to come into their services. And deep down, it's because they know they're not living right. And they're afraid of it. They're afraid of it. But you know, if we're doing right, then we don't need to be afraid of it. And we could know if we're doing right. We can know the will of God for our life. We could know how to behave. He gives us the Bible and teaches us how. We know what's right. We know living worldly and engaging in the lustful things of this world is not right. But if we make that a part of our entertainment and a part of our life, then we know in our heart we're not living right. And then if you know you're not living right, do you really want the ark in your church or in your house? Do you want God's presence? Do you want God's glory near you? The answer is no. You'd be stupid. That would not be smart. So people knowing I'm not going to do it God's way, they don't want to get too close to the ark. They don't want to get too close to the anointing. They don't want to get too close to the power of God, which could be smart. But even smarter would be to get your life right with God so you can have him in your life protecting you with his glory from demons that want to kill you. 
That would be smarter. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but the glory of the Lord will surround us like a wall of fire and protect us and guard us from the enemy. Amen. It's the goodness of God. We need the goodness of God. I want the goodness of God. So David was afraid, but David was a man of God. It didn't stay that way. David went and obviously studied the Scriptures. God in prayer, God in the Scriptures, and found out how to treat the ark. He came into the understanding of why judgment fell upon Uzzah, why Uzzah was struck dead when he touched the ark. He began to understand, oh, the priests are supposed to carry the ark on poles, and people need to be at least so many feet away from the ark, and this is how it's supposed to happen. This is how we move the ark of God. He learned how to handle the glory, how to behave in the presence of God. I want the presence of God in my life. What does that mean? I want the manifested presence of God. I want, God is omnipotent in that he is everywhere, but he is not manifested everywhere. There's a, a, in a lot of places, demons are manifesting. Hatred, bitterness, anger, violence, killing, stealing, all this, these are manifestations of the works of the devil in people's lives. He's manifested in their life, in their world. We want God to be manifesting in our life personally, in our city. We want the glory of God. We want to live in the bubble of the blessing. Where no evil will befall you, neither shall any plague come near you. Where devils can't can't take you out. That's God's will for us. That's, That's what he wants for us. But it's going to take faith to bring in that glory of God and see that glory increase in our life. And faith not only believes in the glory, but it knows how to behave in the presence of God. Because it takes character to have faith. You know God. You know his will. And so you direct your behavior accordingly, according to the scriptures. So that you can handle the glory of God that you are believing you're receiving from him. So David, the Bible says in a verse 10. So David would not move the ark. We read that verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obedidom, the Gittite, three months. Everybody say three months. And the Lord blessed Obedidom and all his household. And it was told the king, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obedidom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidom to the city of David with gladness. And here it says, And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen, fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David, all the house of Israel, brought up, brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord, and When David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Notice this. David gets word that uh, the household... Of Obedidam has been blessed for the last three months because of the ark of God that is in it. The ark has brought such blessing. Get a hold of this. 
The ark has brought such blessing. The manifested presence of God has brought such blessing into his life that, man, people can see it. People are talking about it. They're seeing it and talking about it so much, it gets all the way to the king at the White House, at the castle. He finds out about it. I mean, this must be some serious blessing that this man's getting. I mean, it's obvious. not like, uh, can I give a testimony? Oh, you mean God did something for you? Yeah, yeah. He blessed me. I thank God for that. But it's time for such a blessing that there isn't room enough to contain it. And it can't keep, be kept secret. It can't be the best kept secret in Louisville any longer. It's time for the blessing to be so great and overflowing that everybody's hearing about it. It even gets to the government officials of what's going on so that they want the blessing. They want what's going on in the church. They want what you have. They want what the people of God have. They start coming to our house inquiring about the blessing of God and what God is doing in our lives. It's time for that. It's time for that. And so seven months of shutdown, leaving us with three more months before the year's over. And what year was this? The year of plenty. It's the year of 2020. And we still have three months to go, and God's got a grand finale. Now, he might be telling us that this morning because something that looks like just the opposite might be coming. I don't know. Could be. Happened last time that way. Not sure. But I got good news for you. For you and I who believe God, we're about to see the greatest blessing of God in our life that we've ever seen. It's time for the three-month blessing. You know, I think of that, you know, 90 days, 90 days, you know, and then we're in, we're in the new year, 90 days. You know, you ever see those advertisements for those workouts? And they talk about totally ripped in 90 days, <laughs> right? Get their video, you can be totally ripped in 90 days. Folks, get ready. <laughs> you see, David got to whirling about. <laughs> he had the video on. He, he was... He was doing some aerobics, you understand what I'm saying? He was doing some extra shouting and some extra praising God. He was, he was going uh, the extra mile because in 90 days, he understood about the 90-day blessing. He understood it. It was now in the nation. They had seen it over at the house of Obed-Edom. You know, the Bible says over in the book of Peter that judgment would begin in the house of God first. And if it starts with us, what's going to happen to the, to the rest of the world? Well, just flip that around on the positive side. It's time for the blessing of God to start in the house of God. And if it happens to us, what does that mean for the nation? What does that mean for the rest of the world? So I believe we got a little uh, prophetic word, a little upgrade or a little uh, addition to the, to the word the Lord gave us at the beginning of the year. He says, you know, now you're in the final three months of the year of plenty. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, what did David do? What did David Well, let's look what David did. He probably did what Obed-Edom did, which we don't know. It doesn't say. But look what David did. Uh, we just went through it. First of all, we know he prayed and he studied to find out the proper behavior how to behave before the Lord. And he knows the Lord is holy and there's a specific way that we're to do things. So he prayed and he studied and sanctified himself and sanctified the nation. They made themselves holy in preparation for the greater glory of God in their life. So what are we going to do? We're going to pray. Pastor, I always pray. Nice. We're going to pray. We're going to pray like we've never prayed before. We're going to, I'm going to try that again. I got a big amen over here. We're going to pray like we've never prayed before. 
That's what we're going to do. Now, if you believe this word, we got three months. You know, time flies, especially when you're having fun. It moves, right? Three months is like nothing. What are you going to do? You're going to pray. You're going to pray like you've never prayed. Forget about missing days of prayer. You're going to go in there and you're going to pray like you've never prayed before because you believe the word. And and as a reaction to this incredible promise of God, this is what you're going to do. You're going to pray and you're going to study that word. You're not just going to read your Bible verse for the day. You're going to study the word of God and find out what God likes and what he doesn't like. And then you're going to sanctify yourself accordingly. You're going to sanctify yourself accordingly. That's what we're going to do if we believe that we're going to be totally blessed in 90 days. Totally blessed. Then what did David do? What was, number, what was the fourth thing? David danced before the Lord, verse 14. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. In other words, he got passionate. He began to dance like he never danced before. He began to shout like he never shouted before. He began to praise God like he never praised God before. He began to bless God like he never blessed God. I mean, he's out in public, man, and he's whirling around. That wasn't normal. It's time to be abnormal, even in public. Be an exhibitionist when it comes to God. Showing him off. Excited about him. Then, verse 17, in the latter part of that verse, it says, Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Notice, he offered offerings to the Lord. He gave to God. He brought offerings. It's time to tithe and to bring offerings to God like we never have before. Why? Because we believe we're about to receive like we've never received before. If you believe you're going to receive like you would never received before, then you might as well go ahead and give like you've never given before. And it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And it'll set us up for the glory. Set us up for the glory. David understood that. Man, he, gave, he went out there and, and the offerings, offerings, offerings. As they brought the ark in, it was more and more offerings to the Lord. And then, what happened? Then he distributed. Verse 19 says, then he distributed among the people to everyone. To everyone, bread, meat, and a cake of raisins. What what is this talking about there? He honored those who came out to honor the ark. He honored the true people of faith. He was giving to them. He was being a blessing that he was providing for them. Really, we can say showing hospitality towards the people of faith. People of like precious faith. We got to take care of one another. We got to esteem God's people. We got to esteem his church. I mean, we got to watch out for each other. And not just, God bless you, brother. Good seeing you. Hasta la vista until next week. But to really care for one another. Are you with me? To love and care for one another. So here it is. Number one, pray like you've never prayed before. It's time to be intense in prayer. It's time to study the scriptures. Study the word like never before. Number three, be holy and reverent before God in all your behavior. Begin to sanctify yourself. Things aren't pleasing to God. Get it out. Get it out. Don't miss out on what God wants to do in your life. Get it out. Don't let anything rob you of this promise coming to pass in your life. Number four, passionately rejoice in the Lord. Get excited. Get excited. Man, get excited. When you pray, get excited. When you read the word, get excited. Give a shout once in a while. Amens are good too. Let your amener get stronger than ever before. Than ever before. Praise God. Get loud for God. Get passionate for the Lord. Rejoice in Him. Amen. Get expressive. You know, people speak in tongues and they sound something like this. Shanta, 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 shanta. I mean, they're just like, they're like a record that's stuck. You know, you know what a record is? That's that round disc. It's from years ago. But it, it used to get, you know, we used to have it. It, used to get, it gets stuck. It just keeps skipping, 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 skipping. Now, let's put some passion. Passion in our Christianity. 
And let's bring to the Lord offerings and honor him with our giving. Be generous and bless the people of God. Take care of your church family. Love one another fervently. Fervently, the Bible says. Let's get intense about loving and taking care of one another. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Somebody say, we got three months. We're in the final stretch. Things are turning. Notice after that three months of blessing in the house of Abedidam, it went national. In Israel, it went national. It went national. So could 2021, could we see something national, maybe international, in the area of revival and the glory of God and a great move of God in our nation? Yeah, the devil's in a panic, and he wants to try to stop it, and he wants to create illusions that these things That God promises are not coming to pass, but they're just illusions. We don't believe the devil. We believe what God's saying. We believe what God's doing, and we act accordingly. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's stand on our feet. Let's thank him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Say, I'm going to pray and study the word like never before. I'm going to live holy and sanctified like never before. I'm going to rejoice and be passionate in my God like never before. I'm going to bring offerings to my God like never before. I'm going to take care of God's people. Reach out and touch and be a blessing to my church family like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the victory. We give you all the praise. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website, again, is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888 542 2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.